You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? And thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, August 16th, and we finally have some Eagles football, preseason football to talk about. So in today's episode, we're going to touch on what we saw from Jalen Hurts, who had a really encouraging, impressive, you know, opening drive. We also are going to talk about what we saw from Gardner Minshew and Reese Annette just a little bit. But before we even get into any of the Eagles football talk, don't forget to rate. Don't forget to leave a review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media, Instagram. You can follow us at Bleeding Green Insta. Twitter, you can follow us at BGN underscore radio. But I'm your host, Rachel Privet, and I am joined by my amazing co-host, the one and only QB expert, Mark Schofield. Mark, how's it going? You're on vacation. Where you at? Tell us how it's been. Have you got to relax? Any of that? Um, I'm doing fantastic, Rachel. Yes, I'm at a different backdrop here. You don't have the books and all that stuff. You've got a, a patent of, like, I guess, an ocean scene. We're down on Hilton Head for the week. Um, got a place right on the water. It's very nice. And I'm foregoing a song lyric today. I'm not doing a movie quote today. Today's going to be the first installment of Life Lessons from Uncle Mark. Now, those of you that have perhaps been to the beach or maybe are going to the beach, maybe you got a late summer trip planned or something like that, you might encounter jellyfish. Now, there's an old wives' tale that if you get stunned by a jellyfish, you have to pee on it. Folks, no good. That's not what you do because your boy got stunned yesterday. Oh. And the first thing that I got to tell you is, yeah, it's not pleasant. Wouldn't recommend it, but it wasn't too bad. But there was an old timer guy that probably lives down here that said the first thing you got to do is you got to rub wet sand on it. And that gets because they literally have like little like spikes that like sinners that like stick in you. And you got to get that out. And then you got to pour vinegar on it. Apparently, that's what you do. Vinegar for a jellyfish stain is what you use, not urine. And so for any of you out there that are potentially going to get stunned by a jellyfish in the near future. Don't, don't pee on it. I know where it comes from. We all saw that friends episode where Joey got stunned and everybody like climbed into the hole with him and like peed on him. That's not what you do kids. Um, but yeah, we're having a good time. Everybody else is already down at the beach again. Um, so that's where I'm headed after this, but we do have football to talk about, which I'm very excited about. We do. Um, so I won't, I won't ask you a bunch of questions about the jellyfish sting. I hope, hopefully it's not like swollen or anything like no, that. No, no, it's completely fine. Like it's okay. absolutely 100% fine. It's no big deal. Uh, like, it, like I said, it like, it wasn't comfortable in the first 30 seconds, but after that it, it was no biggie. I mean, the, the hardest part though, uh -huh. I was in the ocean. We're down here and there's like five kids okay. and you know, my son, Owen, who's 11, he's the oldest. Like you've got like a 10 year old eight and like five or six, I think, or the other kids, like. And I get shut stunned. I was the only adult on the water with them. So I'm like trying not to be like, oh my God, this is the most painful. I'm just like, hey guys, why don't we uh, go back to the to the tent for a minute and uh, just, just chill out? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that was- Calm, cool, collect. Trying to be like calm because I don't want to freak the kids out, you know? I probably would have cried, but you know, whatever. Yeah, anyway. it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant. <laughs> okay, so my 
uh, song lyrics. I chose from the song D. This is a family friendly show, so I can't say it. Can't um, go into it. Yeah. I'm not going to say it, but it's by Young Bloods in Little John. And so the lyric says, don't start no bleep, don't won't be no bleep. I don't know if you guys have heard that song. I'm sure you have. Yeah. But I chose that song for Nick Sirianni. He was literally like so funny during the preseason game against the Jets. That play where Jalen Hurst got hit late by yeah. a Jets linebacker that was Quincy Williams. Yep. Dirty play. But Nick Sirianni completely went off. The offensive lineman completely like rallied behind Jalen Hurts. It looked like it was about to be a problem. So I chose that lyric. Yeah, it, it, that's absolutely perfect. And my favorite part about that whole thing is that like we were driving down that night. We had just like we had stopped for the night, and I had to pull out the laptop and write about Sirianni's reaction because yes. you didn't need a lip reader. You did not need a lip reader at all. And I actually we were at dinner there. I showed it to my son, and he was just like, "He said a bad word." I'm like. He 100% did say a bad word, like even Owen knew. But rightfully so. Rightfully so, because like Hertz took two steps out of bounds. Yes. Like before William sort of lit into him. Now, there's, we can talk about it a little bit, perhaps, you know, he shouldn't have bailed the pocket there. Okay. I mean, that's one of those plays where like, you know, I've got it in front of me right now. There's a slight window for him to step up. And this is something we've talked about for the past year. Like he's got pressure off both edges. There's a slight window for him to step up. I think what happens is there's a guy that sort of breaks through a little bit late off the left side. So then he flushes outside so I can understand why he did it. But like, I think there's an initial, you know, it's a 35 play. There's an initial window for him to step up and make a throw. Now the secondary problem is ratio. There's nobody for him to throw to. Like, like you've got, you know, kind of a smash concept and then a drive concept, smash off to the left with a sort of a corner and an out, and then drive. You get the deep end and the shallow underneath it, back release into the flat to the right. He's got a brief window to step up, but there's nobody for him to throw to. And so Hertz then exits out the back door. And yeah. so, I mean, I can kind of understand, even though we want to see him stay in the pocket, even though we want to see him sort of step up and climb the pocket in those situations, I can understand why he bailed it. The Williams part of it was just absurd. Like he's two steps out of bounds. Like, yeah, Sirianni was absolutely one hundred percent right to lose his mind. And yeah. Salah after the game even said that, like, yeah, like there's no room for that. So I get it. But that's a that's a perfect song lyric. And you now, what did you see from Hertz like in that drive that kind of got you excited? Uh. I mean, I think he just looked like I talked about earlier. I think he looked really impressive. I think he looked encouraging. There's so much that we talked about all offseason that we wanted to see. And mind you, this is a preseason game. But the fact that he went six of six for 80 yards with a touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard, he, and he had a rushing touchdown, but it was called back. We talked about how A.J. Brown is a huge factor this season. But A.J. Brown had no touches. So I think that that's something that I'm not really hearing too much about. So the fact that he was, you know, equally distributing the ball, you know, he was looking downfield. Like field vision was definitely there. Accuracy, timing, all the things that we've been talking about. I think he did a really good job, like for the most part, maintaining in the pocket and making good decisions. Other than that play we just talked about, he did a good job making decisions when to escape and use his legs. Um, but overall, like, I think this was like a, a performance for him. Um, what more could we expect? He had a perfect 158.3 passer rating. So yes, it's preseason. I understand. Don't overreact. But 
from what we saw from Jalen Hurts, if I were other teams in the division, the Cowboys specifically, I would be like, oh, hold up. Okay, he's looking really, really good right now. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, the first completion, the completion of Watkins, like he bailed the pocket there too, but that was completely understandable. Like the left guard got rocked and was kind of like in his lap. It was an under center play. Um, you know, and he, the, that guy was kind of in his lap, like almost immediately. Yeah. So we had to bail to his right. And it was a dagger concept where you've got, you know, Quez is the inside receiver. He runs the vertical. Brown's the outside receiver running the dagger. We're going to, when we get to Minshew, we're going to talk about dagger a little bit more. Ideally, if he hands in the pocket, they're in single high. Post safety is probably going to take Quez's vertical. He's going to be able to hit Brown on that dig. It's wide open. But because he had to flush, turns into scramble drill, and he keeps his eyes downfield, which you said, it, you know, it's exactly right. Like he keeps his eyes downfield, you know, spots Watkins, makes a good throw on the move. I understand completely why he bailed, but I think the Brown part of that is had he been able to stay in the pocket, he would have hit that. I want to talk about the touchdown throw because yes. we've we've talked about this. Our first show, like almost a year ago to the day, we talked about this throw, the out route on the intermediate part of the read on a three-level flood concept to the tight end. And since then, like this is a design that Hertz has consistently hit on, like without fail. And what I think stands out, Rachel, to, to me on this one, the way he throttled him down. You know, because he knew they were in zone coverage. Mm -hmm. He knew that there, the, the curl flat defender was sort of lurking. And if you let him to the sideline, that guy's going to have time to get back and make a play on the ball. So he put a, sort of put it on Goddard mm -hmm. to sort of throttle him down, to give him a chance to catch, secure, and brace. And so then when that guy, that little defensive back comes over, he just sort of bounces off of him. And Goddard's able to get into the end zone. And, you know, every once in a while, people are like, how can you know that that's what he did? How can you know he sort of throttled him down? I think we've seen enough from Hertz on this concept to know that's what he's trying to do. And for all the people who try to tell me, you know, yardage after the catch is not a quarterback stat, this is one of those moments where I think it is. Because, again, if he leads him towards the sideline, he's going to bring that defender into play. He's going to bring the sideline into play. The 20-yard throw becomes a 20-yard game. Here, it allows him to sort of pick up additional yards, sort of bounce into the end zone for a touch. I thought that was a huge play. Me too. One of I tried to watch that play over and over and over and over again. And one of the things that I saw was when Hurst did drop back a little bit, the way that he kind of like lined up his body, like angled his footwork, it, you could tell like he's been working throughout the summer. He let that ball rip and it was literally right on the money. But talking just talking about like his body position in that play specifically, like what did you see from that? Yeah, I mean, perfectly balanced weight distribution, perfect between the front and back foot. Like you see when he hits his drop step, you've got front knee flex. So he's really bouncing and getting momentum as he, you know, there's different kinds of footwork techniques you could use as a quarterback when you hit that final step of your drop there's what we call the hit and hitch where you hit and hitch up and that's what he does here you typically do that on deeper throws when you need to get a little bit of form forward momentum then there's sort of hit and throw where you don't even take an extra hitch step you just drive your back foot in and you immediately start throwing the ball that's usually on your sort of quick game three-step concepts here with a deeper throw you've got to get that little hitch and you need to have that waitress weight distribution you need to have that sort of flex in the front knee to be able to get through that your point about the way he sort of angles his drop is perfect i mean because he knows where he's going with the ball i mean he he knows he's throwing this front side to the three receiver concept like he knows it's single high like he knows he's going to have that route and it's a route that he's extremely confident throwing 
And I think the other thing is the anticipation. And we talk about anticipation a lot. I mean, I'm a firm believer that that's one of the lines between a good quarterback and the elite quarterback. Like, And again, it leads to yardage after the catch. It leads to all the things that we've been talking about. And this is something we continually want to see from Hurts. But it's a route he's always anticipated well. So he hits, he hitches up, and the ball's coming out as Goddard is just getting into his break. Like, like there's no hesitation. If there's a minute's worth of hesitation or a split second's worth of hesitation here, that curl flat defender is going to be on Goddard. And you might not get yardage after the catch. You'll still complete this, but you're not getting that extra five yards because it was a 22-yard throw, you know, I mean, a 17-yard throw with five yards of yardage after the catch. And again, it's those little things that add up to yardage after the catch. And for an offensive passing game like Sirianni wants, you have to be able to get yardage after the catch. It's so critical. So it was a tremendous play. It was a solid outed. And perhaps more importantly, even with that late hit, Hertz didn't get hurt. I, I, that's the, the bigger thing more than anything else, right? Literally popped back up and the next play, like, completed that pass. Um, wasn't phased. Nick Sirianni talked about that. A lot of people talked about how this just speaks to his character. You could tell he knew reporters were going to ask him about it post-game, but he was kind of just like, it happens, you know, move on. Like, he wasn't going to allow it to take him out of his character. So this just continues to speak to to speak volumes about his leadership as well. Um, before we move on, before we take a break, I did want to ask you also, um, first, what grade would you give Hertz, um, based off of this performance? I know it's preseason. We know, we know, but what grade? I mean, I give him an A minus. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about some, some of the like nitpicky things we could say about the play where he get hit, but I I think the response to that is huge. I mean, because, you know, didn't get phased, I think is a perfect way to put it because you get lit up like that it can have an effect on you. It can have a negative effect on you. You, you might, it might take you a couple of plays to sort of like get back in the, get back into the flow of things. And it didn't take him a single snap. I mean, like you said, he came right back and made that, you know, throw to Goddard. And so I think that's huge too. So yeah, I give him an A minus for this performance. I thought it was a really solid performance. A solid out against a team in the jets that look, you know, that they're not there yet, but yeah. they've got talent on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they had, you know, a couple of first round picks on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Sauce Gardner, for example. And so they're a talented team. They're young. They've obviously got some things to figure out, but, you know, this was a very good outing, you know, and I I think now we're going to see, you know, we get some joint practices and things like that. We're going to see even more from this team. And interestingly enough, just a quick aside, from talking to people around the league, like teams put more emphasis into the joint practices portion of the preseason than I think anything else. So we're going to learn a lot during those as well. But I think this was a great start and an A-minus performance. I think so too. Last question. Did you see a drastic difference? One thing that we talked about a lot last season was um, how quick he was getting rid of the ball. Did you see like any major improvements in this first preseason game with like timing as far as getting, getting rid of it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because they were running a lot of sort of basic stuff, right? Like like screens and, you know, the dagger concept. We're going to talk about that again in a second with Minshew. You know, they went sort of like a, a deeper Haas concept, you know, play where you check the ball down. And I thought, interestingly enough, that little check down, you know, yeah. where he hit Sanders might have been a critical decision too because it gets us to that point, right? You know, one of the things that we talked about this offseason and even, you know, last year was holding on to the ball, like trying to make things happen too much, waiting on concepts, being slow with decisions to take come off those four vertical releases and check the ball down as quick as he did, I thought was a very good play. And so, 
the signs are there that it's going to be where we want it to be. You know, again, it, it's basic concepts against basic sort of vanilla coverages that we saw, you know, the other night. But I, I think it was particularly that check down. That was pretty encouraging. OK. Well, we are going to touch on Gardner Minshew and Reese briefly. But before we do that, we're going to take a very, very, very quick break. So don't go anywhere. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And we're back. So before the break, we touched on what we saw from Jalen Hurts. I think both of us agreed a very encouraging, impressive start from Hurts. Hopefully we can continue to see him build on this moving forward. Um, But let's touch on what we saw from Gardner Minshew. So Minshew finished 8 of 12 for 81 yards. He looked, I think, okay, decent. Um, Did you want to run through some of the plays that we saw from Minshew? Yeah, I mean, there's really two. There was a, a, a second and 10 at the 13 21 mark of the second quarter. And then scrolling down here, it was a second and 11 at the two minute mark of the second quarter. And it's basically the same concept on both of these plays. Um, Just one to the left, one to the right. And they're both dagger concepts. And dagger is, you know, we always talk about like the sort of in vogue concepts, route concepts each year, like leak or why throwback was a really popular one a couple of seasons ago. Um, Last year, people talked a ton about sort of the backside dig 
Um, and there's another one, Drift, that I think we'll talk about with Reed Stanett in a second. But Dagger is one that you're seeing a ton of teams run now, too. And we mentioned it earlier, right, with the scramble and completion of Quez Watkins. Inside receiver goes vertical. Usually it's a go. Shanahan has a, a variation of Dagger where it's a post, but it's a vertical, deeper road. And you try to really run off space for the outside receiver who's running the dig. I like to call these sort of exit enter concepts. You like run somebody through a zone, they exit, you pull receivers, and then you enter somebody else behind them. That's kind of a way it was sort of explained to me many, many moons ago. Let's put it that way, Rachel. Um, but on both of these, you get zone coverage, you get the look you want, and, and Minshew makes the raid and throw on the dig. And you know, this is these this is again the, the play that they were looking to hit with AJ Brown early in the drive. And it just tells me we're gonna see a lot of this. We're gonna see a lot of dagger from the Eagles this season, which I think is a very good design. And if you think about what they can do with it, right? If you've got say Devonta Smith healthy, he's a guy in the slot, or what maybe it's Quez, because it was Quez earlier in the game, and you get Brown outside on the dig, like if he's got press coverage in his face, like he can fight off press coverage. We've talked about that. He can get working underneath. He's got no fear working over the middle, playing against linebackers, no fear coming across the middle and taking hits. You've got guys like Smith and Watkins that can be that speedy vertical element to it. It's a very nice concept for the Eagles personnel, so I'm not surprised we saw three examples of it in the first half against the Jets. And Minshew executed it perfectly both times. I mean, you, you've got that window. The tricky part is you're trying to, you're trying to navigate the underneath sort of hook curl defender because you don't want to lead him into you're trying to sort of throttle him down or get it on him quickly um so you don't get him into trouble now on both of these examples though coverage wasn't really there the first one it was a little bit tighter there's a little bit of a tighter window that he kind of sort of had to throttle him down um but both times made you did a really good job but i think dagger is something you're going to want to watch for fans um you're going to see a lot of it this year i think one other thing I wanted to point out was the play where uh, it was like the fourth in one conversion. I think this was like 10 minutes and 40 seconds around that time period in the second quarter. And Mitchell decided to keep the ball. And I don't know. I just I don't know why. But that play to me, the decision to do it. I mean, he picked up eight yards, but I thought that that was a really good decision. And to see him like moving, I was just very, very impressed and very pleased. Yeah, I mean, that was a really good play. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of that sort of like three part, like triple RPO option kind of thing where, you know, you got the inside zone element, you know, that's sort of the, the, the first option. And you've got the, the sort of spot flat, right? Where you get the outside receiver comes runs a spot flat, spot route, inside receiver runs out flat. You can throw it at one of those guys if it's there. Yeah. You know, you've got the tight end in the flat stole and he's kind of covered and the spot routes covered as well. Your third option is to keep it and run it. And that's a very interesting design. And I, it would not surprise me in short yarded situations once the regular season gets going. You're going to see Hertz on that a ton. Yeah. You know, because again, it, it gives you three different ways to beat the defense. I mean, the traditional triple option, right? You know, I think Nebraska in the 80s, fullback dive, speed option, you can keep it or pitch it. Like those are your sort of three options, even though. You know, people might nitpick and say it's really two because you're making the decision to hand it off to the fullback before the snap or not. Then you saw Auburn and other teams at the college level sort of have this sort of triple option where it's a bit more of a true triple option because you might make the decision hand or give based on a defender you're reading. And then you're pushing it to the boundary and you've got 
the routes to throw or you can keep it yourself. But I think it was a great decision to keep it. It was the right decision to keep it. And it wouldn't surprise me if this design is a part of their sort of short yardage package of the regular season for Hurts. Yeah, I'll take it. All right. We're moving on. We are pushing through. What did you see from Reed Sinet? Not a whole lot. I mean, he, he it was interesting. Like he got one of the, he, there were three sacks that I was sort of studying and taking notes on. There was a sack in the third quarter, like the 1242 mark backed mm -hmm. up against your own end zone. And it's got, you've got Ohio go flat on the outside to the right. You've got sort of a drift concept where you've got like a curl route and then a dig route over the top of it. You know, that's drift is a Shanahan term for it. And something we've seen a ton of, you know, we saw a lot of it this week from a couple of different teams, the ball, it's like a three-step concept where the ball is going to be out, but the coverage wasn't there and he gets sacked. Like he, he didn't really get a have a prayer. And then yeah. two other sacks at the 643 mark of the third quarter, 252 mark of the third quarter. Like both of those plays. The second one, the one at 643, it was mesh. You know, we've got the crossers underneath and a sit route over the top. He had a wheel route from the back and I think a curl route on the other side. Okay. Guys were collided into each other. It was just like a disaster, like all yeah. around. Like it was one of those plays where like if you were on the field that time, you're wearing a black shirt to film review the next day. So the sweat doesn't show because you're going to get made fun of. I mean, because guys were like bouncing into each other and he didn't have a prayer where to throw the ball. And then the the other one at the 252 mark of the third quarter, okay. it's basically a depends what you call it. It's either mirrored curl flat or both run back is a Shanahan term for it, where you get deep curls, guys to the flat, a shallow curl route. He didn't have a prayer. Like both curl routes were open, but by the time he hit his drop, guys were in his face. So it, it was kind of hard to really get a feel for him because, yeah. you know, the threes and the fours were a bit inconsistent the okay. other night. Um, you know, you wonder if, you know, maybe in the third preseason game where maybe he gets some run with the twos because they're going to sit hurts and mince you down, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you see some different stuff, but it, it was tough to get a read on him. Right. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Um, I mean, I think, I pointed out that his most impressive throw, it was a really short pass to uh, Noah. I always butcher this name, Tongue, Tongue Guy, Tongue Guy. I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, I think that that was his most impressive play. It was uh, fourth and third in the fourth quarter. And he also had a really decent play, uh, decent throw to the outside to Dion Kane, a player who's like definitely to like look out for. And that was third and 12 in the fourth quarter uh, for 14 yards. So there were some good, like you said, um, but it wasn't like any type of wow factor by any means. But yeah, I mean, that that fourth and three one, yeah. that's, again, kind of a mesh design. And that's how it's supposed to look. Right. Like you've got guys that are sort of running clean. You know, you're creating a little bit of traffic. Um that was a really good read and throw. I mean, that's how that play is supposed to look. Like the other one, like I think the, the sit route and one of the meshes like sort of collided into each other. So two guys take themselves out. Like the play is designed to create traffic and create sort of rubs and stuff underneath. But when you rub into each other, basically, as offensive players, that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. But we're going to hopefully see more from them in the joint training camp practices like you said coming up this week um so and then we have another preseason game that'll be this upcoming sunday i'm pretty sure it's on sunday um against the Browns. so we will be back next week to talk about that to so make sure you guys tune in next week but did you have before we wrap things up did you have any 
anything you wanted to mention or yeah remember friends if you get stung by a jellyfish you use vinegar on it um th that's the best way to handle it um it's really not too bad trust me it it's not that bad um hope everybody enjoyed remember subscribe rate review all that fun stuff and as always go eagles go eagles Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.